Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about how I was featured on a CNBC story. And this is on their website, so it's not like I was on TV. For a second, I thought I may be on TV, but it was just on their website. Still very cool. And I'm going to talk about the experience overall. I'll give you a quick review of the post and let you know if it'll make a real difference in my business. It's been a few weeks at this point, not quite a month, but it's been out there for a while. And I can let you know the results that I've seen after being featured on you know, a big national news outlet. I'll also just give you some of my impressions, the good parts, the bad parts, a couple little mistakes that I made. I didn't realize it until afterwards. And you know, maybe I don't know if I can actually give you advice on how to do it, but I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my story. And I will also mention Haro, help a reporter out, which many people have heard of. In fact, when I started letting people know that I was featured, they thought, oh, you must have done Haro, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it'll pay off here, but I will talk about it since several people were asking about it. I'm also going to read a couple couple emails that were sent in, comments on the podcast uh, or some recent episodes, and then I'm just going to ramble on a bit, which will make more sense and maybe why it, why I'm stumbling over my words right now. But we're going to pick it up. We're going to we're going to do a good job here. Quick recap of the story. So this story has a headline of this. As Amazon soars during the pandemic, publishers that rely on it now feel left behind. And it was written by Megan Graham. And I encourage you to ping her over there on Twitter, share the story and just, you know, let her know. I'll, I'll put links in the description, uh, show notes and stuff like that. But basically, you know, it's good. It's good if, if she sees that folks that I know are, are reaching out, say, hey, thanks for, for writing that. So this was published on May 2nd, and it was actually a couple weeks after I thought it was going to be published. So I talked to Megan, I think on April 22nd, or maybe even the week before. Now that I'm thinking about it, I may have talked to her on something like April 16th, right after all the associates were notified. So here are the key points, just a couple of the bullet points. Amazon rolled out a steep rate cut to its affiliate program that pays online publishers and social media influencers a cut of sales on products they recommend. The changes mean less income for those who have built online businesses around Amazon's affiliate program. YouTube stars and others who rely on Amazon's affiliate program told CNBC they were upset to see Amazon cut affiliate rates as the company's stock reaches all-time highs during the coronavirus pandemic. They talked to several people that I know on YouTube, or at least a few, right? So Income School was featured. They kind of got the head billing. So Jim and Ricky were mentioned there. I know a lot of the listeners of the show know Income School. They're huge on YouTube. And I think there was uh, someone who does like makeup kind of reviews and other sort of products that I'm not really into. And I have a, a nice little section there, a few paragraphs actually. 
And after that, Sean Cannell from Think Media. He's a, another huge YouTube YouTuber. And he said his first affiliate check from Amazon was just over $2. And now he estimates his company makes $30,000 in profit from Amazon each month. Of course, that was before the rate change. And I watched a ton of Sean's videos. It was really cool for me to be featured alongside some of these very large YouTube channels. Sean's channel is giant. He, he's like on the speaking circuit and very well known in the YouTube world. And there was a, a lady named Erin. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she promotes on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. And she's in the beauty and fashion area. She's been doing it for a couple of years. So I think her channel is sort of smaller like mine. And then there were some just huge ones out there. So kind of need to be featured overall. And I can let you know that it basically didn't make any difference at all. So other than me being able to talk about it, I actually sent it to my family you know, since this is kind of a kind of a big deal, they know I do some videos and some other stuff, and I have a website. But this is a, a news outlet that everyone is familiar with. So you know, I shared it with them, and it was kind of cool that you know it was mentioned there. Next, I will say I thought maybe there would be a little bit of an uptick here or there, depending on where they linked in the article. But I, I really didn't notice anything. And the real value, which I think you, you probably see, is I can say that I was featured on CNBC. And it is something, as I'm hopefully going to be able to speak at conferences and other places, that I've been featured on CNBC talking about affiliate marketing and that sort of thing. So it's pretty cool. And as I speak at more places, it will definitely make a difference, I believe only for the social proof aspect. It hasn't really driven any additional traffic, as I mentioned. Now, it is cool. Overall, definitely cool. I'm thrilled that it it was published and it actually made it out there. Like I said, it was a couple weeks later than I expected. I talked to Megan pretty quick, a couple days after the announcement was made, and she thought it may publish in the next day or two. And it actually was a couple weeks before it went out. And I was like, oh man, kind of a bummer. You know, this actually happened once before back in, I think early 2017 or so. I talked to a reporter from Fast Company for about an hour and we had a great conversation. I thought he was going to be featuring me as, you know, again, similar situation, an expert around affiliate marketing. And there was uh, some mention of some other big, uh, I can't, I can't remember the exact story, but basically he didn't reference me at all. So that was kind of a bummer, kind of a waste of time because, you know, I just helped him out, gave him a bunch of information, and then he really didn't do anything with with the information. So either maybe it was useless. I have no idea. But there were there were certain things that I mentioned that were referenced, but he didn't give me credit. So he potentially could have gotten it from multiple sources or just done other research. So I'm not 100% sure. I thought that it could be a situation like that. However, this one went live, which is fantastic. So the good parts are I knew, <laughs> I knew as soon as I got the email from 
Megan that I should get back to her right away. So I sent her an email back like, hey, I could talk to you later on this morning. Literally, I sent an email back within 30 minutes. I remember I was out walking Georgie, my dog, and I replied back while I was still out there, which I, I don't typically, you know, check my email and reply back. I guess sometimes I check my email, but I usually don't reply back until I'm sitting down, but I, I got back to her right away and basically was available for her immediately. So we, we were able to have a chat for, I think about 45 minutes or so. Before that, I actually had a hunch of some of the questions that she might ask. So I wrote out things that I wanted to say, certain points that I wanted to say, just on a notepad and had everything prepared in my mind. So she asked, how is this going to impact your business? I would be able to tell her in a concise answer, sort of bullet point style, exactly what my thoughts were. Well, what are you going to do about it? And then I would have an answer for that. So I, I prepared ahead of time for the questions that I thought she would ask. And basically, it was just one page on a legal pad. And I went through roughly all of the things that I wrote out. That's exactly what she answered. And I peppered in a couple, you know, additional things if I needed to. If you, it's kind of like a job interview, right? You have talking points that you know you should hit, that you want to hit. And whatever question they ask, you should be able to sort of make it pliable and flexible so that you could answer their question with the story that you want to tell. So that's how I approached it here. And it fit in nicely with the story. Now, it's funny, I'm, as I'm recording this right now, on the CNB, I have the story up on CNBC, and there's a breaking breaking news: the S and P 500 closes at its highest since early March as Facebook and Amazon hit records. The Dow's up 300, so it's funny Amazon is hitting record highs. And it's also good that when the market was down, I, I still I, I invested quite a bit, moved some cash over, so that was a good move. Hopefully, in the for the long run. So, yeah, so I did a good job preparing, getting back to Megan as soon as possible, and generally spoke well. I had certain points that I definitely wanted to hit, and I made them, and those got into the story, which is good. And I also knew there was somewhat of a story, or these, these sort of reports should have some personal aspect, and I mean, it's right there in the headline. Publishers that rely on the Amazon associate program now feel left behind, right? That was sort of baked into my story. And, you know, she didn't tell me the headline, but that's kind of the, that was kind of the angle. And I could tell that that was, I mean, there were a lot of, there was a lot of coverage in the days right afterwards. So as far as mistakes that I made, she, she asked, Hey, you know, where do you want us to link? And I was said just a YouTube channel and you could link back to niche site project. Well, they didn't link to niche site project. And as I looked at the story and other places that they linked, I realized it was probably because the homepage of niche site project is really a call to action. I want people to sign up for the email list and it doesn't really say much about me. It's just getting people to my email list and there's some value there, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense for them to link to my homepage. And when I looked at some of the other links that were in the story, I saw that the income school folks linked 
they got a link to their about page. Now I know in the future, if I'm ever featured, I probably should send, I should tell them, you, you could link to this post that has like more information in it versus a post or a page or anything that has like a call to action. So it, it doesn't quite make sense uh, for them to link to the homepage. And I see that so clearly now. They did link to my YouTube channel, which is nice, but there's not a ton of people that just, you know, you see the story, you probably, I mean, people that are reading CNBC, you read the story, you kind of peruse it. There's, you know, I don't know how many links on this page. There's probably like 40 links on, in this story to different areas. And the chances that they're thinking, oh, wow, this Doug guy sounds really cool. I'm going to check out his YouTube channel. And then they end up becoming a subscriber. Pretty low chances, <laughs> pretty low chances. So I should have, I should have told him to link to Niche Site Project in the about page or something a little bit more informational based. So that that's probably the biggest mistake that I made with this. Otherwise, you know, I had a good story. I was available quickly and I spoke well enough that they were like, okay, this guy kind of understands what's going on. As far as how to do it, this is a tough one. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. That's probably a similar situation over and over again where I've, I've prepped for a while. I've been available. I've been showing up every day for several years and I was there when they needed a person to tell them about the story. The other thing, and they mention it in the bullet points, I think maybe some of you realized that in the beginning, they basically went to YouTube. They did research on YouTube. I'm not sure why they took that angle. Perhaps it's easier to figure out if someone's doing doing this stuff as a practitioner or if they just have a blog and they, they're not really doing doing uh, the execution, right? They're not a practitioner. So I think maybe they just went to YouTube to get people that were potentially well-versed in the topic and then they, they could actually see them speak. So I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but all everyone referenced here, we have different areas that we do things, but YouTube is a place that we were all available right away. So when Megan reached out, it was all via YouTube. So very, very interesting with that. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I, I typically don't read CNBC or any news for that matter. In fact, uh, I'll hit the tangent later, but I'll try and remember to talk about that tangent as far as news, but yeah, they went to YouTube. They went to YouTube to do the research and find people to talk to. As far as like recreating it yourself, I think you got to show up and you have to be there when no one's paying attention. The other day I was doing a live stream and I mean, I've been doing the live streams every Friday for I think six months straight. I took a break for a little while and before that, I mean, I've been doing live streams for a couple of years. I think I've done over like 300, something like that, which is completely insane, absolutely insane. Someone asked in the chat, because there were like 24 people, it had just started, maybe we we're like 10 minutes in or so. Someone said, 
Hey, Doug, how do you stay motivated? There's only 24 people on here. Why, why are you even doing this? Which was an underhanded question. And I said as much, they're pretty casual, you know? So I said that I've, I've done live streams when no one was there. So I made a commitment at some point that I was going to do live streams. And sometimes at the very beginning, when I didn't have many subscribers, the live streaming capabilities weren't as robust. People weren't into watching the live streams just because there weren't as many out there. Basically, I was talking to no one and I still showed up and I did that several times. Other times there'd be, you know, eight people that were there live and it was cool. It was super cool for them, right? I mean, they they are able to just ask questions and I answer and it's really like a, a discussion with a small group versus a you know, big live stream, uh, an event where, you know, you could barely see anything going on in the chat because everything's flying by so fast. So the point is you have to show up and be a professional, even when no one's paying attention, especially when no one's paying attention, because most of the time, at least in the beginning, no one will be paying attention and no one cares about what you're talking about or what you're doing. And you have to, (laughs) you have to just show up. So that is the big takeaway. Like you got to show up, you got to be there after you keep doing it for a while. Hopefully if you're trying to improve, you will improve, you'll get better and what, whatever it is you're doing, by the way. So if you're focusing on a blog and you're writing or you're doing YouTube or you're doing a podcast like this, hopefully you're slowly improving over time because you're trying to improve. I, I think if you just show, show up and you're doing a bad job perpetually, and you're not trying to figure out the things that you're making mistakes on, then you're just going to keep doing a bad job. So you have to try. <laughs> you have to try to get better. And a quick note on HARO. So this is help a reporter out. It's been referenced over the years. And it is, I think it's like an email list that you could sign up for. This is not the best way to describe it, but you can sign up to get notifications whenever a reporter is trying to get experts to comment on a particular topic. And I think if you sign up for it, you can filter and select what you wanna get notifications on. But for the most part, you end up getting like a ton of notifications (laughs) and it's really hard to decipher what is uh, gonna work for you. And what I've heard from several people, there's sort of two schools. One is, they're, they're actually experts and they reply when they have like a slam dunk match and they sort of have a, a stock answer. They have a, a good way to reply back. And when I say good way, again, concise bullet points that the reporter can use and they don't have to try to figure out what the person's talking about. And it works for them because they're experts and they have credentials to lean on. So so for some people, it works. For others, this is the majority that I've heard from. They get so many emails, it's hard for them to sort of filter through all the noise and figure out which ones to reply back to. For the people that have figured out how to filter all those emails and what to reply back to, they will spend a pretty good amount of time writing the reply. They'll send it over to the reporter and then it won't be used. Now, I don't know why the person that sends the data to the reporter doesn't get feedback on why. They just 
are not featured in the story and they don't hear anything back, they don't get the backlink, right? That, that's the main thing that people are focusing on. They want to be featured as an expert, so they get a backlink back to their site and all that. I think if you were an expert in a particular area and again had credentials, let's say you were, let's try and think of a good example. Let's say you were an award-winning blogger, all right? Pretty straightforward. An award-winning blogger and you've had some recognition. In fact, maybe you, you've uh, been able to speak at some conferences, so you have some some references out there, right? So if you have those credentials, you have a much better chance to be featured versus if you just have an affiliate site and it's clear that you're just trying to market specific products and you don't have those credentials, then I could imagine whenever the reporter gets your reply, they see that you know, you've you've answered some stuff and then they go to your website and they see it's a, an affiliate site. Maybe you haven't written the content. Maybe the content's not very good. Maybe your answer sucks too. To be honest with you, I mean, I get a lot of emails where the grammar is just terrible. The grammar is awful. I see this, I see this pretty often. And then I go, th this is the email to me, right? Someone asked me a question and then I go to their website and I see that it's, you know, just written poorly. It's written poorly. It doesn't make sense. And clearly the writer did not speak native English or, and that, that's, I, this no major issue, right? If you don't speak English natively, I have no problem with it. But if you're writing in English and it's barely, barely understandable, then there's a problem there. So I have a feeling, unfortunately, that sometimes when people reply back, their answers suck and they, they're terrible writers and they, they send an email with an answer back to a journalist who probably studied English quite a lot over the years. So they're probably able to write pretty well. And when they get your answer back, they think it's nonsense. So th that's my hunch on a lot of people who have like tested it out and just didn't get it to work out at all. So you could try out Haro. I have heard of a couple people who would get those email notifications and they set up a few different automated filtering mechanisms, however you want to do it. I think there are certain apps that can help you out, certain integration apps, and just some logic that you could apply when you get the emails so that you only look at the ones where it's very closely tied to, you know, what you're an expert in. So, all right. I think that that covers it. It was a good experience overall. Like I said, I probably screwed up. I should have had them link to my about page. That was the biggest mistake. Otherwise, it was pretty cool. And now we'll be able to say featured, mentioned, or quoted, or whatever on CNBC, which is pretty awesome. And it's not a BS one, right? A lot of times I'll land on someone's site and it's like they've been featured on all these huge news outlets, but they really haven't. They, they haven't been featured. So I actually have been, and it's pretty cool. All right, couple, couple emails. I'm gonna hit those in a second, but a quick digression. Whew, I slept terrible last night. I don't know exactly what the issue was. I got to bed relatively early-ish, but I just woke up super 
not even super early. I woke up in the middle of the night and then couldn't fall back asleep. I have that issue every now and then. It's one of those deals where my mind will start thinking of the things that I need to do. And if I don't try to fall asleep, right, that's a tough thing to do when your your mind's racing and you're thinking of the stuff you want to do in the next day. It's hard to fall asleep. So I was struggling to fall back asleep and really just had a rough rough evening. So I've been nursing a kind of low grade headache and I actually laid down for a nap for about an hour. I don't think I slept particularly well, probably because I had a decent amount of coffee (laughs) during the morning period of the, the day. And I'm hoping I'll be able to go to sleep pretty early tonight so I can get those IQ points back. I I believe, I can't remember the exact study or the amounts or anything like that, but if you are not well rested, if you're sleep deprived like I am right now, your IQ, if if you take an IQ test, is much lower. It's like 10 points lower, 15 points lower, something like that. So just getting, getting extra rest, getting the right amount of rest is like a superpower. I mean, I can tell that I'm firing on like half the half cylinders right that doesn't even make sense I'm like uh, two cylinders down all right so that's what I'm really trying to say anyway I did want to record this episode so I was like you know what I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to be honest and tell everyone that I'm sleep deprived but let's hit a couple emails so number one someone said I gotta pull it open here this is from uh, Garav. I'm going to give him a shout out. He says, Garav is from uh, Ontario. I've recently gotten back into affiliate marketing and I had a couple of false starts in 2014 and 2015. I've been binging on your content and I wanted to give you a shout out for all the content that you're putting out there. It's amazing stuff. One small re- request. Would it be possible to put out some success stories after the commission rate change by Amazon in the third week of April? The success stories are incredible motivators and have really helped me compare myself to where others are. It also helps. What does that say? It also helps that if I do X, I can possibly get to Y in such an amount of time. Once again, thanks for all the hard work I've put in. And if I want the listeners to do something that might help spread the word, let me know. So Garav, thanks for the email. Really appreciate it and all the kind words, of course. It is, it's insane how much content is uh, pushed out in general. And I have a modest listener base. I get a few hundred downloads per episode, which is super cool for me. I had no real clue, you know, how this show was going to go over time, but we're over 140 some odd shows. As far as your request, Garav, for more success stories. Yeah, I will be covering more. In fact, I I know immediately after the commission rate change, I talked to Justin Seals, which I recorded an episode with him in mid-February and then did an update in late April early May, I guess it was late April. So he was still, you know, climbing and it was just after the commission rate change. So I guess it wasn't directly, directly after the impact and all that, but I'll continue to, you know, do success stories. It's a mixed bag for me, right? I have to figure out like what I want to cover and people do love the success stories. 
and I, I am interested in getting fresh ones all the time. From one standpoint, to be honest with you, it's not, I don't want to say boring. I'm trying to avoid the word boring, but I've, I've said it twice here already. They are huge motivators. They are the most popular episodes. I want to do more. Sometimes it's hard for me to find the right people to talk to. So I've done a couple interviews where, you know, they didn't go live. It, it would just didn't work out. Sometimes I get emails from people that say, hey, I want to be on the show. I have an interesting success story and I want to promote some stuff. And I, you know, that's okay. You know, I know people take, take the time out to speak with me and I promote things sometimes too. So I understand that. And then sometimes they just go away and maybe they thought they wanted to promote something and that's the only reason they were reaching out. I don't even know if their stories were real or not, to be honest with you. But to get to the bottom line, Gaurav, yeah, I'll do more of these stories and obviously it'll take some time after the commission rate change for us to actually see the results and what happens. But the thing is, and this is the direction that a lot of people have been moving in, some people not quickly enough, but have multiple streams of revenue for your website. So if you have traffic and you're just monetizing with Amazon, you probably should branch out at least to display ads. And then from there, you could do more. I mean, I think at this point, since Amazon cut the rates, a lot of people are exploring the option to work directly with companies or to work with companies that have a, I guess, uh, an affiliate program available via one of the larger marketplaces. Commission Junction is huge. And in fact, I have heard from a couple people who have pinged me and said, I reached out to a company and they do want to work directly with me. We don't know how to set it up. They have no idea how to do affiliate programs or marketing and they don't know what to do. So people want to sell stuff. If you have traffic, like they are probably going to want to work with you potentially you can get much better terms. You can get much higher commission rates. You may end up with like an, you know, a cookie without an expiration or 60 days instead of 24 hours. So there's a lot of ways to slice it. And as you start looking, as I'm doing more research for an upcoming course that I'm doing, Garav, there's a lot of different monetization methods once you start looking a little bit outside the box. And I mean, I sort of painted myself in a corner in some ways, but everyone wanted to know about Amazon affiliate marketing. It's what my course is about. And that is what I talked about for a very long time. I just went really deep in a specific topic. And I have been doing some other stuff. I have been experimenting with display ads and some of the other options that I alluded to, but I just haven't talked about it much. Shoot, when I do live streams, most people just want, I mean, people ask around the same sort of topics. So, yep, I will cover more stories and especially the new ones. In fact, I just got an email from a student of mine who he sent me an email. He said, hey, I reached my goal. I made 5K in the last 30 days. And he sent it to me on whatever today is. It is May 20th is when I'm recording this. So May 20th, he was like, hey, I just hit my goal. 
And it's amazing because I remember when he enrolled in the course, I remember doing a one-on-one chat with him and it took him some time. It took him, I think around three years, give or take, but obviously he's been making money along the way and slowly growing. So, I mean, that's a serious amount of cash. And this is after the commission rate change. So hopefully I'll be able to get a little bit more of the story from him. I'm not sure he'll be able to do uh, an actual interview, but I think I should be able to get the information of a success story from him. Hopefully, you know, I'll ask him. I'll see if he's willing to share. So I'm going to start wrapping it up here and let you know that there was another, another comment over on the Doug Show podcast blog. So it's Doug.show. And someone said, the upside of this laid back, relax, keep the high energy away from me type of good guy in my personal view is easier to trust since nothing is forced. So there's a little bit more here, but as I read that sentence, I realized that it may be very difficult for me to read this exact comment. So I encourage you, if you want to uh, be featured on the show, you can send me an email, feedback at show feedback at doug.show, or you could leave a voicemail. Both of those are listed in the show notes. I read all the emails. I usually file them so that if it's a good question or something that I want to talk about in a future episode, it gives me ideas and all that stuff. So you can reach out to me. Voicemails are really cool. I haven't been getting very many of them lately. I do have one on deck and I'm probably holding that for a little while until the time is right. But If you do have a question, you can send them in. All right. Well, I'm going to call it a day. And I hopefully am going to go to bed very early tonight. Everyone have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode. 